in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Chris O'Brien is on special assignment or away for the holidays. In fact, I had a brief contact with Nick Redfern the other day, and he was amazed that I'm actually working. He said, Gene, it's a holiday. Take a break, man. Well, I just never do that. I don't think I've ever missed an episode of the Paracast. We've been doing it for 11 years. So our guest co-host is Jay Randall Murphy. Randall, welcome back. Yes, glad to be here. Now, I should point out something. One of the wacky reviewers of the show in iTunes is really upset that sometimes we take members of the forum and make them co-hosts on the show. He seems to forget that we do that because we have a lot of smart people who listen to the show and participate in the forums. So there. So you've just been complimented, Randall. Suck it up. Yeah, I'm good with that. I think it's one of the things that makes the Paracast stand out from other shows, actually. Our guest is another contributor to that book, UFOs Reframing the Debate, edited by Robbie Graham. We've had other guests, and this time we've invited Susan Demeter St. Clair, and she has an interesting essay entitled Making Mountains Out of Mashed Potatoes, UFOs as a Parapsychological Event. Susan, welcome to the Paracast. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. I'm very excited to talk to you today. When I look at the title, you know what I think of? Yeah. Close Encounters <laughs> of the Third Kind. Absolutely. I was, uh, I was thinking of the film, uh, one of my favorite films of all time, uh, when I was writing the essay. Uh, in particular, because the film itself, it's a wonderful film. And, and I think that because it uh, borrowed so heavily from actual UFO events, it pretty much gives you a, a really good sort of idea of some of the stranger sort of synchronicities, telepathy, and other sort of high strangeness that goes along with UFOs. So I was thinking of the character and the building of the mashed potatoes and how he was sort of obsessed at the time when I was writing the essay. And uh, and of course, it was coming close to the 40th anniversary of the film, and that's where the title comes from. So you were right on, right on the money with that. And that's even before I read the chapter. But we think of the Richard Dreyfus character, iconic UFO witness. And the thing I want to know is, when they filmed that, did they use real mashed potatoes or something else to simulate mashed potatoes? You wonder well, about they, movies. Yeah, I, I wonder that too. I, I never actually pondered that, but I think. Probably. I mean, they tend to use, I don't know why, but the movie Psycho just popped in my head and how they were using, they were using like maple syrup. They were using syrup in that to, to simulate the, the sort of the bloody scenes. So maybe in the filmmaking, they used actual mashed potatoes to build the, the mashed potato mountain. I'm just guessing. I don't really know. That would be a question more for Robbie Graham, who uh, edited our book. He, he has the silver screen saucers. So he discusses the film and more of that, I guess, the, the, would he have more knowledge on the technical side of the filmmaking? One thing I did learn, and of course we all know about the famous little segment of about 5-10 seconds where Dr. J. Allen Hynek, a technical advisor to the film, appears. And what I learned from his biographer is that Hynek got a mere $3,500 for everything he did for this film and would not have gotten anything or any recognition had he not heard about it and written to Steven Spielberg offering to help. That's Hollywood for you. Yeah, that's Hollywood, and, and, and it's unfortunate. 
And I, and I think that that's the case with a lot of UFO researchers and other paranormalists in that, that you have some really good people that are working quietly behind the scenes and not too many people know of them. While you have more of the showmanship in that that is is more readily available, maybe more accessible to Hollywood. So you know more of that than sort of the people like Heineck, who really did contribute a lot to our knowledge. What what limited knowledge we do have about UFOs, a lot of that did come from from Alan Heineck's work. You know, they're making a TV series called Blue Book. Mm-hmm. And an Irish actor has been named to play J. Alan Heineck. Somebody from hmm. Game of Thrones, as a matter of fact. I had his name before. I have to look it up again. I was mentioning it last week when we had Kurt Collins doing our supplementary mm-hmm. show after the Paracast. But mm-hmm. they're going to present this, how Heineck begins to rebel from his position as kind of the spokesperson for Project Blue Book, trying to put down these cases, and he starts to believe what's going on. And then they also have someone playing his wife, Mimi. So that's going to be interesting, except that if they're going to take all that artistic license, I wonder how true to life it'll be. But after all, with reality shows, they're not true to life. Reality shows are not reality. Before we get into case histories and such, what's your feeling about all these reality shows about UFOs and ghosts and stuff? To me, it's just a scripted drama done on the well, cheap. It's, well, well it, is, it is entertainment, and I think... Partly it's because, like, we, as human beings, we tend to be voyeuristic. So we kind of like to see what's going on in, in other people's lives and, and what's happening. It's, it, the paranormal is obviously lends itself well to entertainment. It's exciting. It's mysterious. It's strange. But anybody who's worked in television understands that, yes, the minute you bring in script writers, um, there's, there's no reality there. there. These shows have story arcs, for instance. Um, so we're kind of following sort of the dramas of the investigators. The investigators themselves tend to be actors, so some shows are better quality than others. Like I, I really liked the Leonard Nimoy original In Search of type shows where you had sort of a historical sort of a reenactment of the event and then you might have some analysis or discussion of what happened versus now what we have more, which is yes, it's it's a slightly reality. There's some maybe some reality basis in there. They you might go to interesting locations where paranormal events occurred, but the actual stories that go behind the reality TV really don't resemble reality. I don't want to say it's like I don't want to totally put it down because I know there are people that enjoy these shows, and for me, I would enjoy it more as like the as a travel log, so they go to interesting places and that. But I, I take what's going on with a grain of salt. Now, one yeah. show we've mentioned on the air is Haunted, which is hosted mm-hmm. by our friend Paul Kimball mm-hmm. and Holly Stevens. And it's a decent show because, number one, the episodes were half an hour each one. And mm-hmm. the two that I saw, we offered them to Paracast Plus members, but you have to write to Paul to get the password. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really done on secret here. And I thought they had a solid grounding in the way they did it. But they offer a few things that are clearly having fun. But they do it in a way that you know they're having fun. They're not presenting it as something, hey, look at this. You're just using it as part of the experience. They're investigating these strange things. And then they try to add entertaining chatter and elements. But again, in a way that you know what they're doing. 
actually, I can't really speak to that particular program because I haven't seen it yet. But I do feel that, yes, especially like people that actually have had true experiences or, or they feel sort of passion for these subjects. Certainly there are, there are documentaries that have been done that are really well done. And you can have something that is educational as well as being entertaining because of course we all want to be entertained or we're not going to, we're not going to want to tune in and watch, but there are ways to do it that can be more, um, as you said, that it, it's more honest. So, so we know that what we're seeing is more of an honest representation and maybe there's an interesting, you know, an interesting location in that. Well, at the same time being entertaining, but uh, I know I'm going to have to look into it and, and have a watch of the show for sure. Well, right uh, now it is only in Canada. Okay. It hasn't made it across the border yet to the U.S. It just came out. They just started producing it. So you'd have to look it up to see where it's shown in your country. And yeah. So we, it's interesting. We do have two Canadians on the show today, you and Randall. Ah. I didn't know Randall was a fellow Canadian. Hi. Yeah, I'm not hearing <laughs> In Calgary, where we just uh, were having a beautiful Chinook and plus 11 for a while. Okay, Okay, guys, we got more to come. Susan Demeter St. Clair, who has a really easygoing manner and attitude about the whole thing. And our guest co-host, Jay Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. Want revenge on the common housefly? 
Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Jay Randall Murphy joining us as guest co-host. Chris, I guess, is taking it off for Thanksgiving on special assignment Susan Demeter St. Clair, one of the contributors to Robbie Graham's UFOs Reframing the Debate, is with us. And we're going to get into some case histories after Randall asks a question. But first, I want to tell you, we have a second radio show called After the Powercast. It's unfiltered, almost unedited, but eminently listenable. I'm trying to give myself a review, seriously speaking. What we offer there is additional conversation extending the actual original interview with more content with the same guests, bringing on different guests, just chit-chat. You can hear that show if you join the Paracast Plus at plus.theparacast.com for more info. Plus.theparacast.com. We also give you a version of this show free of network ads. Better quality audio. Now, before we go on, I wanted to ask you about your 1990 experience, Susan, but right now Randall had a question. Go ahead, please. Well, that might just uh, fit right in because before the break, we were talking about uh, media. And that's how I think most people are introduced to the phenomena because not everyone's a witness. So people will become interested through finding a book in the old days and these days more online and cable television. But I wanted to ask how it is that you became interested in it yourself, Susan. And of course, we ask everyone that, but uh, you shouldn't be any exception. Well, it, I was 
I guess initiated, I, I try to use the word initiated, or I have been using it more lately uh, into this sort of UFO sort of craziness or UFO reality uh, when I was 23 years old. Uh, prior to that, I, I had interests in the paranormal. I, I sort of had a, a sort of strange childhood where I, I had had experiences, but I had more or less written them off as to just childhood imagination. And then at 23, I, uh, I had a UFO experience with, um, with my brother-in-law at the time that sort of like radically shifted my, my view of these things because I, I actually witnessed one myself. And what happened is, is that uh, it was, uh, I think it was a Monday evening. It was November 4th, 1990. And uh, I had been watching this um, this program. I, it was Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. We were watching this Elvira, Mistress movie. And it was getting late and I had two small children at the time. And I thought, I, I'm going to, you know, lock up because I lived at the time on, on this 10th floor condo and I had this huge sort of patio sort of balcony that overlooked towards Lake Ontario and these huge sliding gas doors that I had like locks on the top because my children were small. So I, I kept that secure and I got up and I, I went to go and lock these sliding glass doors. And, uh, and I noticed this sort of this huge red light just out seemingly outside towards the lake and where the Pickering nuclear plant was. Cause I had a clear view of that. And, and it sort of, I was looking at it, and the first thing I thought was, is this a reflection from the television screen behind me? Is this something from the movie? So I looked behind, and I looked, and I thought, no, 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 this is actually outside. So I, I walked out onto the balcony, and I looked at this thing for a few seconds, thinking, what the, what the heck is this thing? And I called out to my brother-in-law, and he came out, and, and I was pointing at this, and I said, what do you think this thing is? And I am looking at it, and this is large, sort of almost octagonal shape, red glowing thing in the sky in the vicinity of the nuclear power plant. And I was thinking, this is not a helicopter, this is not a plane, this is not a, this is yeah, it's very, this weird thing, and it was pulsing. My brother-in-law, I think he was the first one, he said to me, I think, I think we're looking at a UFO. I was, I was of course, shocked. I, I, I had goosebumps all over as my mind was processing all this and and then we were sort of we were watching it and sort of like kind of freaking out at this point as this thing was pulsing and pulsing and then to me it sort of it imploded on itself and it shot straight up into the sky and and I was shocked and actually it wasn't until uh, quite a while later that I remembered a, a strange point a bit of high strangeness if this wasn't strange enough that in my mind I remembered thinking to myself they know they whoever they are they know we can see them my brother and law and I we stayed up all night and my my ex-husband now he was also he had fallen asleep on the couch and he remembered hearing all this and to this day he sort of kind of kicks himself thinking why didn't I get up off the couch while I th these two were sort of you know yelling oh my god we're seeing a UFO but we stayed up all night and we were trying to talk about like what is this that we witnessed did, did we really see this what's going on I scanned the newspapers the next day I mean this was 1990 there was no internet so I wasn't really, I, I really didn't know who to contact or what to do, or I, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a MUFON or anything like that. And I, I had talked to my father briefly, and he he absolutely was convinced of the reality of, of my experience, because at that time, strangely enough, then he admitted he had also seen a UFO. 
in the 1950s over the Gulf of Mexico. But anyway, getting back to it, um, I just sort of, I, I began reading books. I, I went to the library. I, I found a book, the, the one by Alan Hynek. I found a, an address in the back for QFOS, and I, I wrote him a letter, and, uh, and it came back, returned to sender at the time. I didn't know he had passed away. And, and it just sort of, it sat with me for, for years until sort of more the late 90s as my children got older and I was reading more and more. And then I sort of, I, I found MUFON and then I started investigating spook lights and doing things like that. So that, that 1990 experience really is what brought me into UFOs. Prior to that, I had some interest in spooky things. I used to like reading Nancy Drew books when I was a kid, and, and that always ended up with some sort of skeptical interpretation at the end. It was always, you know, or sort of Scooby-Doo, Old Man Jenkins is the cause of the ghost, sort of. But that experience in uh, 1990 changed sort of my whole, my, my sort of cosmology, my worldview, because here was this thing I couldn't deny, and I, I had someone I trusted, and I was very close with who was also had the same experience at the same time. And that's what brought me into the, the sort of the realm of UFOs. Fabulous. Yeah. Welcome to the family. <laughs> it's a strange one. That's for sure. Do you ever um, regret I, that movement? Uh, I have at times, yes, because it, uh, it, it changed the course of my life, I think, in, in various ways. And UFOs have, I, I, this, wasn't the, this wasn't the only UFO experience I had. I had another one in 2001, uh, and then I had another one in uh, 2016 that um, were undeniable to me because they, they were multiple witnesses and they were more or less a close-range thing. They've come to me, UFOs seem to come to me at pivotal moments in my lifetime and they sort of have shaped the course of where I've been going. They, I view them almost as guideposts for me personally. And sometimes those guideposts are not, are, they're, they're kind of painful to, to live through. When I had my experience in 2001, I had become quite a skeptic. I joined a skeptical organization. And then I had the 2001 experience. And I couldn't, at that point, I couldn't deny UFOs at all, at all, altogether. And I just, I went completely the opposite way. And I'm kind of where I am now. But it well, has affected various points in my life. I'm going to ask you about the skepticism, how you got involved in that. Susan Demeter St. Clair is joining us for the first time. It won't be the last. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. 
Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Kiyosaki, Rogers, and Schiff all concur there's an economic calamity that will be facing this country. My question to you is, do you know when and are you prepared? Most people don't, but my friends over at Republic Monetary Exchange have been leading experts in precious metals to help you offset the coming economic collapse. Right now, for a limited time, they have a free book called The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. You simply need to give them a call at 888-772-2929 to get that in your hands. Do not allow the insiders to do what they did to you in 2008, putting your IRAs, 401ks, and savings in jeopardy. You need this book, and you need it now. The 10 Reasons You Should Own Gold. Call 888-772-2929. That's 888-772-2929. There's a reason that the largest investment banking company in the world, J.P. Morgan, just purchased another 50 million ounces of silver. This free book will explain it. 888-772-2929. People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered. From business deals gone wrong, to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? With ReputationDefender.com, you can establish a positive internet presence. ReputationDefender.com pioneered the field with over a decade of experience, serving thousands of successful individuals and businesses. We use patented, award-winning systems to boost positive content and suppress negative material. Don't let the internet define you. Take control of your reputation today with ReputationDefender.com. For your quick, free reputation analysis, call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771, 800-831-0771, or visit reputationdefender.com. Does the current world crisis in North Korea or our domestic crisis right here in America concern you? Well, I know it concerns me. My friends over at Legacy Food Storage have solutions in the event there's the inevitable. What's the inevitable? Civil unrest, a run on your local grocery store. And here's my question to you. If this happens, how do you feed your children? How do you feed your grandchildren? Legacy Food Storage has the solutions. In fact, they can help you implement a simple plan to take care of your needs in the event of the inevitable. By calling them right now, I have authorized them to give you a special 20% discount at checkout by simply using GCN. Call 888-543-7345 or visit them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. That's 888-543-7345 or visiting them at LegacyFoodStorage.com. Make sure you use GCN at checkout for an incredible 20% discount. Don't be a victim. Take control of your life now. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Susan, you had this sighting in 1990 that impressed you, changed your yes. life. By the early 2000s, you became a skeptic. You were a member of a skeptics organization. How yes. did that happen? 
Well, I I did a lot of reading and and I did a lot of investigation at that point. I I had attempted to join MUFON, but I never really did. I, I found a lot of actual sexism that I didn't appreciate in my particular chapter of of MUFON that was here at that time. I'm going to want to um, ask you about that after you do the rest of the discussion, because sure, we've sure. been talking about issues with MUFON, and your experience doesn't sound like anything unusual. Well, go ahead with the conversion to temporarily at least a skeptic. Yes. Well, actually, I did actually learn a lot from the MUFON investigative handbook. And I did uh, I did make other friends in various, uh, actually, American chapters of MUFON that, that became friends of mine and that were sort of helping me and guiding me with an investigation of a spook light here in, uh, in Canada, where I was able to determine with another group of people I had been working with that the main spook light that people were seeing were actually car headlights in, in origin. So I was actually very proud of that. This okay, I've, I've solved something this is kind of cool which was met with a, a lot of resistance and then of course with the with the ufo community in general i mean there are some very good people but there are a lot of very odd people people that are very passionate about uh their own belief and what they believe is is the causation of ufos and i was becoming very very rapidly disillusioned with the entire ufo community and i was finding a lot more acceptance and feeling more comfortable in the skeptical community and of course i was self examining too i mean years had gone by since i had the experience and i was thinking well did i really really see what i thought i saw was it really something that was not maybe naturally explainable somehow i was starting to self-doubt in my my own sort of self-analysis and that was the position i was in when in 2001 I was sort of on a hike with a, a girlfriend of mine. We were walking again near the vicinity of the nuclear power plant. And, and this time, both of us started having sort of strange sort of sensations. This was an early evening. So about, say, maybe 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the evening. And it was in a July and so the sun was just starting to go down and, and I was seeing all this light playing out over the horizon of the lake. And at first I thought maybe are these reflections off boats or off the, the buoys that are in the water there, the buoys. But I started feeling very strange. And then she started feeling very strange, too. Like as we started walking out towards the parking area through this pathway, this sort of hiking trail up over the sort of escarpment there overlooking the lake. That's when this I had the second UFO sighting, and this was close range. This was like a diamond-shaped, it looked like a spaceship craft. Lights descended down from it, and they were playing out over the water. My, my friend was witnessing this. Of course, we didn't have our cameras. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have anything at this time. But it was so close, and it was so dramatic, and it just it shocked the hell out of me. And I thought, no, this is whatever this is. It's real. This is real. It's happening. And at that point in time, that just sort of, I couldn't go back to the skeptics after that. I, I didn't feel that I could, I had a place there anymore because I had this such a close range and dramatic experience that I knew that there was a reality to it. No matter what kind of questions I had as to as to the exact nature of that reality or the exact causation, I still am not 100% certain what it is. But I couldn't go back to, to where I was in that safe sort of... And I, I view that. I view skepticism as a safe sort of place to be because these experiences are so life-altering and they're so irrational and they're so crazy that there is almost comfort being a skeptic, but I couldn't be there anymore. I couldn't be in that place, even though 
I appreciated that time because I learned a lot. I, I, I learned about how to, um, you know, look for hoaxing, look at frauds, things that, which is rampant in parapsychology and ufology and all these things. There's a lot of hoaxing. There's a lot of fraud as well, including the real genuine stuff. I had that learning experience, but again, I, I couldn't stay there because all of a sudden this, there's this UFO and, and I couldn't deny it at that point. Randall and I disagree on this to some degree. But the prevailing viewpoint in the UFO field, not one I subscribe to necessarily, is that these are spaceships from elsewhere. And we have all these Earth, possible Earth-type planets. We discover exoplanets. So maybe that's happening. Do you think you saw a spaceship or something else? I think that what I saw absolutely looked like a spaceship, but I don't think it necessarily behaved as a spaceship. I lost sight of it because it seemed to slightly, it, it, it almost seemed to be hanging there in the air like, like a kite. Like it looked like this solid giant thing that was almost but, but waving like a kite. And then it just sort of turned slightly and just vanished. That, that's how both of us lost sight of this thing. Was it a spaceship? Maybe. I don't particularly think so. I, I used to really, really buy into the ETH as the causation of UFOs, I must admit. But it was around the time of, of 2001 and even after that I started, again, self-examining and realizing that, yes, it all seems to point to aliens from outer space. It, certainly something wants us to believe that. But I believe it because I wanted it to be true. I, I really did, because I, I do believe that there is life out there somewhere. I don't think we're alone. Do I think it's the cause of UFOs? I don't know. I suspect not. But I could be wrong. I know that's a, sort of, a, sort of a, an answer that's not really, I, I'm not committing one way or another. But I tend to move away from the ETH, but I'm not 100% ready to discount it. We can move into that again in a moment, but I wanted to just circle back to something you said that you try to be part of MUFON, and mm-hmm. in the local chapter, you were seeing sexism. Now, yes. we've been seeing a lot of issues. We ran several episodes where we talked about, I call the MUFON follies. We had a former head of research. We had a state director, James Clarkson, who was on the show. We even had Jan Harzan on the show, the current executive director. Yes. And we were asking all these questions about their inner circle, where you get in there, not for any other reason than giving at least $5,000 in donations, and there's one or two wacky people in that list. And we talked about the fact that they seem to be less interested in investigating UFOs than evangelizing ETH. Yes. That their last symposium, they were talking about the secret space program, and they had people who claimed to be time travelers there. And they're looking, evidently, for the entertainment factor. And this is something we're very concerned about. And that plus resignations of state directors. And we had some discussions with Erica Lukes, who used to be associated with MUFON. I don't know if you know who she is. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm good friends with Erica. I, I really appreciate her. Well, Erica was telling us about sexism at MUFON. And that yes. upsets me to lots of degrees, especially now in this society where sexism means in some levels abusing women and a lot of people are doing it and people are doing it unconsciously that's why you're hearing all these things about well i touched her you know what but they do it unconsciously i think a lot of people like a senator franken and you can say anything you want about his politics liberal conservative whatever 
I think he's typical of people who just may be affectionate towards people and don't understand the boundaries. Yes, there is that as well. Like we have a long way as a society to move forward away from that. So there's various degrees of sexism. But I think the sexism that you start seeing within ufology and George Hansen is one of the people who write about this in the paranormal and the trickster, the trickster and the paranormal in his book uh, is sexual deviance and that that often accompanies these very strange, strange topics. And I think that what we see is a little bit more towards the, the bad sort of thing, not just the innocent sexism that maybe we could say, okay, what Al Franken did was sexist, but at the same point, is he a very bad man? I, I mean, that's in the eye of the beholder. That's something different. What's happening in the UFO circles is a little bit different than, than what we're seeing in the broad mean sort of discussion. Let's do that. Discuss that. Sexism in ufology and more. Susan Demeter St. Clair. J. Randall Murphy, Gene Steinberg, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. 
Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. This just in. Before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Our very special guest, Susan Demeter St. Clair, J. Randall Murphy, guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. Susan, let's continue this discussion for a few moments about sexism in ufology. I want to get to your essay in a moment. And I think we've framed some of your viewpoints about the subject where we can get in there. But let's go into this further first. Okay. I, I think that, like I said, with, with the UFO community, the topic of sexism, the topic of this sort of sexual deviance that occurs, uh, again, is it's been discussed quite at length in, by George Hansen for one in The Trickster and the Paranormal and it's I, I think it's something that um, really does need more sort of scholarly sort of perhaps examination as part of the, the sort of subculture of the UFO community. It's very strange. I mean, you see that in all the way from really horrific things such as the pedophilia accusations with more than one uh, prominent UFO personality. I, I, I believe Stan Romanek is one. There are others. All the way to, to other strange aspects of you, you find people like one of the MUFON heads, and I forget his name now, um, was before Jan taking over. Uh, he owned a, a sort of a company where he was flying up people to join the, the Mile High Club. I mean, that's that's one thing. I, I'm certainly not a prude, but it, you have to notice that the head of this this major community that speaks is, is sort of, that's his side job, is, is, he, is he's sort of in a sort of sex industry sort of position. That's David McDonald. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole sort of uh, something else that's going on there and i feel that that may actually be sort of a side effect almost to the phenomena itself is this sort of it's strange marginalized sort of characters and then you have sexism and sexual deviance and other things that are very very weird that occur within the in the, in the greater community 
and certainly within ones that tend to sort of come up the ranks and sort of be sort of the spokespeople for the UFO phenomena or for the UFO research community, I should say. Sure. I can tell you this growing up in the 60s, mm-hmm. that this is a time where we had the so-called sexual revolution. And yes. I saw things happening in the UFO field. Not mm-hmm. unpleasant or anything, as far as me and my first wife, Geneva, were concerned. But mm-hmm. we were aware of a lot of things. That She actually wrote a book about it one time that wasn't published at the time. I don't mm-hmm. know whether she'd ever consider putting it together. It's really... So reflective of the times, like I said, the late 60s, early 70s, it probably wouldn't have an audience today if it did then. It was more like a personal diary. I'll leave it at that. I don't even know if we have the manuscript anymore. I think it might be interesting. I think I I would love to see a movie done on something like that, uh, that time frame especially. But it, it it is something that is definitely part of that sort of UFO subculture. And it can go all the way from pedophilia and, 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 and horror to other cult-like behavior and other sort of things that are, are, are occurring within the community. Okay, so what I would say to that is we really need to be careful there because I think what's happening there is, is we're mapping something that takes place in virtually every other sector of society onto something that we happen to be interested in. So no stranger to this in, in say, uh, you know, h- hockey coaching and church and the legal system and in oh, politics well. and, in, and in the media and in entertainment. It's all over the place. And so if you pick out any particular cultural aspect of society and you go digging for that, that's what you're going to find. So I'm not sure that that's really... It's well, really fair to just pick out ufology for well, that. Well, that's, that's why I'm saying that there needs to be some sort of more scholarly look in this specific area of the subculture. But it is certainly there. There is a dominant sort of uh, undercurrent of this that people maybe don't want to acknowledge. And I, I think that, and I, I'm only, I'm speculating here, I don't have hard statistics, that you're going to find that it is actually more, more statistically higher in this, in this sort of strange sort of subculture that we have uh, than in the general public. I mean, certainly it's there. It's there in politics. It's, it's, it's absolutely there in Hollywood. It's, it's, in, it's all over. But I'm just saying that it, that it is there within UFOs as well. What I would say is that you've made some really valid comments. Um, I've been going through some of the stuff on your site about cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes place, you know, in, in a variety as well. But I, in on the skeptic side of things, I mean, I've been literally brought to tears by the skeptics on one of the skeptics forums and had to go through some fairly uh, unsettling lengths to get some things retracted from the website that they were saying. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. The skeptics, I see, I see them as the sort of flip side of the absolute true believers in their passions, but the skeptics can be quite brutal, and they seem to think that they have sort of um, science on their side, and, and if anything, in, in many ways, they're sort of anti-science, because they will try and, and blanket statement that everything that is going on here is, is some sort of the, the terminology like woo-woo and that, which is terrible, you know, and, and they sometimes come up with the most ridiculous things to try and, and describe some of these uh, experiences, 
and and it's 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 because they have their own mindset. They they so are so believing in their anti faith. They it, they're it's borders on religious zealotry, in my opinion. It's it's militant and it's horrible. Yeah, there's certainly uh, an element in that spectrum that does that. They believe that it's perfectly fair, and they even say this, perfectly fair to use things like ridicule and belittlement and embarrassment in order to impress their point on people because they feel that it's their duty to expose what they see as something that is untrue or fraudulent. And who else else uses those tactics? Religious zealots. Exactly. People that bang on your door and say, you know, you better believe this or you're going to hell. And they feel compelled the same way the skeptics. It's just another religious movement. They don't like to hear that, but it's true. There's certainly an aspect of that. And I I listened to uh, your audio uh, essay on the uh, sexism and cyberbullying and ufology with the example in the the UK of the woman who was threatened just for wanting to express... uh, uh, her views or say ask a couple of questions that in her mind seem to be perfectly legitimate and yet here we had sort of examples of uh, someone reacting in a way that was was threatening in a, in a very physical way and that just is such poor taste and and behavior it's 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 shameful to the community to even have that kind of thing come out at all Yes, and I think it's important that we speak out uh, against that sort of thing. Like, I, I am all for the idea of just sort of letting everybody sort of do their own thing. Because to answer these types of questions, I don't think we'll ever answer them in our lifetime. But if we do, or if we're even going to come scratching that surface, we need all sorts of types of people sort of doing their own thing and coming together and sharing when they feel it's appropriate to share. But if you have people that are so rigid in thought that they are willing to attack other people and bully them in such a way, no, then, then it's important that we, we step up and say, no, this is unacceptable. You know, you can believe what you want and may, maybe you're right. Maybe your view is the correct one. I don't know. I don't even pretend to know what, what is really going on here. But it's important that, that we as a community reject this. Whether it's online, uh, and it's mostly online because I don't think people, I think people in person realize how socially unacceptable this type of thing is, which is why I did it as an audio. I wanted to repeat the perpetrator's words, exact words, and, and put it in the idea of people's minds that, you know, how would you feel if you were standing in front of this person and they were saying this to you? I mean, he was threatening to tear her head off and, and, and murder her and rip her spine. This is a mother. This is this is a human being. You, this is not socially acceptable. Um, so, no, we, we have to, we can't. And it doesn't matter who they are, the skeptics, believers, whoever. If you're going to behave that way, then there's no point in even listening to you. And we, as yeah. a community, that, that has to be made abundantly clear. Yeah, I think there's some lines that you just shouldn't cross. Now, you have a research interest in institutional and change dynamics, responses to anomalies and how they may interact and enact change within groups, large institutions such as the military, parasociology, and direct experimentation with social psi. Yes. So, you know, how might we apply that to something like ufology when there's no real institutional structure you get you can get these rogues that just go off and and behave this way how do we how can you is there a way do you think you can apply that to to ufology guys let's break and then we'll go into it now we're getting into the weeds folks and i'm going to also want to know whether there's anything in the reality of ufos that 
attract certain kinds of people. But that makes me seem weird because I've been doing it for so long. I won't say more. <laughs> With Gene Randall, Susan, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Age-related macular degeneration is a leading cause of blindness in people over 55, but with treatment it can be slowed down, stopped, and in some cases reversed. Make sure you see your grandchildren grow. Protect your vision by requesting information about diagnosing and treating AMD. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on reversing or managing AMD, or go to the website fightblindness.org where I found so much helpful information, or again, call 1-800-BLINDNESS today. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Randall, if you ever wanted to become a singer, don't quit your day job. (laughs) I know that already. I've tried. It never went anywhere. Let's go on here. Okay. You know, I really want to just emphasize my point, though, because we're talking about different kinds of people attracted to UFO research, paranormal research, etc. Do you think there's anything in the reality of such phenomena that attracts a certain class of people? Or is it strictly because the general public doesn't really take it that seriously, except in maybe an entertainment fashion, that people who are a little bit offbeat begin to look at subjects like this? I think that there was an interesting study done by my friend Jeff Ritzman, which was quite scholarly, and it's Project Core, 
they had a look at this, and, and, and there's reams of, of information in regards to this in parapsychology, not so much in ufology. I think the only real dominant thing in, in regards to witnesses is, is witnesses tend to, especially the ones who go on to have multiple experiences, tend to be very creative types of people. You know, they are singers, they are musicians, they're artists, they're writers, they're just, or just people in general that tend to have a sort of playful sense about them. That was one of the things that I learned uh, when I was uh, talking to Dr. Joel Wheaton about the famous uh, project that was done here in the 70s called the Philip Phenomena. And he was the uh, one of the primary technical uh, directors from a psychiatric standpoint on this experiment, which basically what they were doing is they were trying to create a ghost or a poltergeist out of a fictional story. And they were doing this based with people that they had pooled from sort of the general public. But the one thing that they really looked for in these people that they were going to bring together to do sort of like a mock seance with this sort of fictional story to see if they can create a real ghost was uh, they, they chose from people that were playful, people that were creative. Uh, and, and I think that that's what Jeff had found as well, is that uh, with, the, with the UFO witnesses, they, they tend to be creative people. But other than that, it seems to be across the board, people with different sort of educational backgrounds, different cultures all, all over the world. There doesn't seem to be many different things that we can say, okay, this is the ideal witness, or this is the type of person that is going to go on to become a UFO witness. At least we that's my to, finding. We seem to have the sort of a, I don't maybe I'm just noticing this because, um, as Jean pointed out, I'm a really terrible singer, but I've also been a musician, and it seems like there's a fair number of musicians that, take an interest in this. I mean, we've got the Tom DeLonge guy, we've got the Foo mm -hmm. Fighters, we've got, had John Lennon even back. Yeah. There's, a whole, there's even a whole book on, on people who are, are musicians who have had these strange, bizarre UFO experiences, and that includes me. Do you play yeah. an instrument? And of course, we also have the late Reg Presley of the Trogs. Yeah. Wild thing who wrote a book about crop circles. Yeah, well, I'm not. I love music. I was married to a musician for many years, but I, I, I personally, I can't really carry a tune well. That doesn't stop me. Um, I paint, though. I do a lot of crafty type things, and within my own spirituality as well. So I do feel that I'm a creative person, and then I, I also like to write. So that's sort of my my sort of UFO mojo is in there. Is 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 that? But it, it does seem that creative people tend to sort of dominate within the witnesses, the multi-witnesses. The multi are people that go on and they have a lot of experiences, different things. I want to yeah. ask you now, let's go into this because we're a third of the way into the show. We haven't gotten much into it. The mountains out of mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what kind of mashed potatoes they used again in that film. I'm thinking <laughs> here they use instant mashed potatoes. Okay, yeah. because it did have the consistency of mashed potatoes. And I think if you want something realistic, you see, nowadays they'd use CGI. But in those days, you wanted mashed potatoes, you got mashed potatoes. Tell us about yeah. your odyssey about UFOs as a parapsychological event, because that's not spaceships, folks. No, that's not spaceships. Um, basically, I mean, it, it could be spaceships, but I don't think so. I think could represent spaceships. I think that um, what we need in ufology right now, so this, the ETH is, is one thing, but it hasn't really brought us anywhere any closer 
to our knowledge or or even better questions as to far as far as what UFOs truly are. Um, so I'm just I, I'm personally I have been exploring since my days as a skeptic alternative uh, ways of of looking at UFOs, and one of those is to um, to look at it from a parapsychological point of view, and this is taking less into maybe account the actual nuts and bolts of the experience and looking at the witnesses themselves and sort of where they are in life and really paying attention to the very strange aspects that go along with UFO experience that sometimes can be discounted by the more nuts and bolts type uh, UFO researchers who are more interested in what did the craft look like? What was the weather condition like? As if this is a truly materialistic only event. And they perhaps lose a lot of um, sort of the richness and the complexity of the experience by not really focusing on the witnesses and the more strange seeming details and, and, and like that we're pretty much covered in the movie between the two characters where you have you have the the woman uh, and her little son and there's that iconic scene of the little boy and he opens the door and all his toys are like going crazy and there's all these lights and the house is shaking and that and and you get this genuine feeling of a poltergeist um experience that is going along with this this sort of ufo thing that's compelling this little boy outside into the field and i think that uh if if we start looking at things from a parapsychological viewpoint uh which has been done in the past but is is very rare to see that maybe we can start um pooling out more and 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 different bits of information that could lead us in on, onto other sorts of avenues to explore the ufo experience not just the nuts and bolts so that that's what i'm trying to with my essay for the book reframing the debate is trying to point out that there are a lot of really strange strange aspects of the ufo experience that could that could do with sort of a ufo uh, um, parapsychological sort of lenses and models to examine uh, that aren't taken into consideration in sort of like the mainstream UFO sort of research community, if that makes sort of sense. It makes perfect sense. What's your sort of favorite aspect of that or your the thing that intrigues you most when you get looking into that way of viewing the phenomenon? Uh, I'm always very interested in synchronicity. Um, what made the person look at that point in the sky? Usually when you start really talking to witnesses, there's something else going on in their lives. And for whatever reason, they feel compelled. Something is pulling them to look. You know, most of us go about our, 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 our daily business, and this, this could get back into the general public why they're not seeing things, because they're not really looking up into the night sky. But when you talk to people, they tend to, something happens, either it's a little voice in their head or something happens that might put them in the right place in the right time to have this sort of really exceptional experience. And a lot of people do go on then to sort of go through this transformative phase where they have this experience and then they come out the other side with this completely different sort of worldview or even sometimes like a, a, a new direction in life. That they, that they never had before. And so that sort of interests me, the synchronicity. Uh, sometimes you have telepathy uh, or, or other strange things. Like I, when I had had my 1990 experience and it was thinking in my mind and I did say it out loud and it wasn't until later that, that you know, I, I remembered it and I mentioned it to my brother-in-law and he said, yeah, I remember you saying that. That was so weird. You know, 
I know, or they, they know we can see them. Who are they and what are we and how how would they possibly know we were looking? I mean, it was a very odd statement. Uh, so things like that, telepathic things, um, you know, and then, of course, the poltergeist stuff. And some of this happens before and some of it happens after the, the main UFO experience. People will have, uh, they will have this sighting of a spaceship and then, you know, months later, they'll start having poltergeist activity in their homes. You know, um, that's something that's very interesting to me for a lot of reasons. And we'll get into that in our next segment. Susan Demeter, St. Clair, Gene Steinberg, Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. (laughs) Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh, and it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries When you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30, you know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking Japanese panko chicken? It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually... Get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com. Use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Hi, I'm Marcia Miller from Mud Pie. Every new parent dreams of bringing their baby home for the first time. But some babies are born too sick or too soon to come home right away. That's why Mud Pie supports the life-saving research and programs of the March of Dimes, the leading nonprofit organization for pregnancy and baby health. Help us give every baby a fighting chance so that more babies can come home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.org. If some high-pressure salesperson twisted your arm into buying a timeshare, it's not your fault. Whether you bought decades ago or days ago, I bet that salesperson didn't mention your timeshare could cost you twice as much as a regular vacation, or that you'd never be able to use it when you wanted, or that your fees could shoot up every year. They misled you, and that's not fair. That's why we're here, to get your timeshare company to free you from your unwanted timeshare. Get the free information you need at 1-800-783-2959. 
We're the Timeshare Exit Attorneys, America's number one timeshare exit service run by real attorneys, not sales companies or middlemen. It was a salesperson who got you into this mess. Don't rely on a salesperson to get you out. We've got a 100% service guarantee, and our team has already helped thousands of people get out of unwanted timeshares. For free information, call 1-800-783-2959. That's 1-800-783-2959. 1-800-783-2959. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. You see, this is one of the other faults I find with a place like MUFON that believes in ETH and doesn't look at other possibilities. And you might have seen this in seeing how they have their investigator's manual. And that is they're focusing on the UFO as a separate event. You see an airplane and you report Mm -hmm. it. You see a UFO, you report it. It's an external thing. You're not Mm -hmm. influenced by it unless, you know, maybe you get too close and you have like Cash Landrum or someone where someone is possibly injured by some kind of poisoning or radiation. Yes. But... You're pointing out something here, too. Someone sees a UFO. Maybe they have other experiences. Maybe there's poltergeist, something else. Maybe there's a background in the family Mm -hmm. of strange phenomena through the years. So even if you never saw a UFO before, maybe there's something else they could look at. But an organization like that so tightly focused on one aspect of the phenomenon never looks at these issues, never looks at the impact that people and how their lives can be turned upside down. And it's not just the guy in Close Encounters. Oh, by the way, I know you subscribe to the theory that the French scientist in Close Encounters was based on Jacques Vallée. I understand mm-hmm. that's not the case, but I forget the name of the actual person. Oh, okay. I always thought it was Jacques Vallée. We all did, but I think Jacques told me this. He may have said oh. it or someone else that he was not the guy. It's possible. Maybe it was Amy Michelle? Uh, no, somebody I never heard of. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. I always thought it was him. But, I mean, that's, but I guess maybe it's someone else. Well, maybe it was uh, just some composite character made to... <laughs> possibly. Possibly. I'd like to get back to this... Um... You sound more like a French-Canadian. <laughs> 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 That's from all the French I had to take in high school. I'd kind of like to get back to this parasociology. We were we were just getting into that when the way you were describing how the witness, the human side, the experience, and the and how it changes our worldview, and how people interact and t- together and within a society. I mean. Uh, you know, when I said welcome to the family back at the beginning, that's kind of a, a, a way of summing it up. There's, in, in my mind, and I don't know, just, just if I could get your comment on this, 
Okay. I feel as though being a witness makes me part of a larger community who know that there is a larger worldview and that out there in society someplace, I can't pinpoint for sure exactly who's telling the truth and who's not, but I know I, I'm not alone. I know these people have to be out there. Sure. And so there's this, there's this sense of other people as part of the world that also knows. It's hard to explain. Do you, do you sort of get what I'm saying there at all? Oh, oh, I do. And, and, uh, and thinking in, in the larger terms of like UFOs tend to be sort of an individual experience and they, they're transformative towards the individual. But they also, they can also happen in, in large waves. And this also gets me thinking about Valet again, because you had mentioned Valet and his control system and, and, and all these sort of thoughts. But in regards to sort of change and societal change, um, we can look at UFO waves. And UFO waves are, they, you know, they tend to be sustained over a long period of time, maybe a year. And you're going to have multiple witnesses of multiple various phenomena, all in a very concentrated sort of society. And one of the things in regards to parasociology that we can look at is the Belgian wave of uh, 1990. In 89, I believe it began. And its concurrent wave, uh, which was happening in the Soviet Union also in 1989 and 1990 at the same time. And if we consider those and consider the, the vast number of people that were reporting very good sightings, multiple sightings, and, and certainly on the, on the Belgian side, you had the military uh, and the police and the civilian ufologists all working together on this UFO problem. But you can look at it, if you, you start looking at what was going on sort of as, as a group, as a society, you had massive, massive changes going on in Europe. You had the, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. You had the, the collapse of the Soviet Union. You had millions of people probably living in states of anxiety, not knowing what was going to happen to their futures. And then, then you have a bunch of UFOs appearing over the NATO headquarters, of all things. So if, if you start thinking along those lines, you can start seeing that there's something greater going on here. And as far as, like, if you think from a parapsychological viewpoint that poltergeists happen to people who perhaps have sort of in inner anxieties that they cannot express outwardly correctly, so they have all this sort of PK or this sort of physical phenomena, it's almost like a cry for help, you know, banging on the walls, this sort of very physical, physical phenomena. Now, all of a sudden, you have millions of people living in sort of flux where this in Europe is in, in, is in sort of disarray. You have the Soviet Union collapsing. Uh, you're living in this really, really pivotal human time. And all of a sudden, you have this burst of UFO activity. To me, it, you'd be lost not, not thinking that, you know, hey, this, is, this happened over NATO headquarters. Was this some sort of a, hey, look at me? Like, what's going on here? in relation to society at the time as it's expressing itself over a military base over NATO headquarters into a greater society. So it's almost as if it's sort of enacting some sort of a transformation or it's, it's, it's going along with this transformation in this very spectacular way. Interesting. Yeah. When we look at it from that perspective, we could maybe say that uh, earlier waves were uh, associated with a lot of the Cold War stuff that was going on. We had the 52... DC yeah. flap there. Yeah, you also had the McCarthy uh, stuff going on as well, and then you have this these UFOs just appearing over Washington DC. Again, very well documented. Like the, these are these are genuine cases. This is a genuine UFO wave. 
Yeah, some of those were really, really good, too. Uh, At first, I had dismissed the Washington flap, but the more I started looking into it, the more I found that there really was a lot more there than than just uh, lens reflections and in photographs. Yes, and the same thing with Belgium. I mean, a lot of people, they, they focus in um, from a skeptical, the, I call them pseudo-skeptics, with the, you know, sort of the arch deniers here will focus in on the one sort of hoaxed photo of a triangle and say, aha, see, this is a hoaxed photo and this were all triangles, or they will say this was all some sort of secretive sort of Americans testing out stealth fighter, which I, I don't believe at all. If you look at the COBEPs and the SOBEPs, the, the, the ufologists, and the, they were doing a great job. Job. They were doing an amazing job at the time, and what the police were recording, what the military were, were recording, you didn't have just triangles. You had discs. You had daylight discs. You had bell-shaped UFOs. You, you had these diamond-shaped things. You had all sorts of different humanoids that were being reported on the ground. So you had like just all this various sort of this amazing stuff happening, but yet all that people tend to want to focus on is that one hoaxed image of the triangle. This seems to be with waves too, with the UFO waves, is you'll have a mixed bag of you have really genuine, amazing stuff, and then in comes the hoax or the more questionable stuff. And so you got to really sort of sort the wheat for the chaff. Do you think we got some disinformation going on there by the powers that be to try to uh, counter it in any way? How, How far down that rabbit hole should we go? Before we go down rabbit holes, let's go here. And then we'll continue with Susan, Jean, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Actual testimonials from real Numana customers. I've tried all kinds of food storage, and Numana is by far the best. I'm a single mom with two teenage boys and a full-time job. I don't always have time to cook a four-course meal. That's where Numana has been such a blessing. I can spend less time in the kitchen and more time on what matters most, like helping with homework. Find out for yourself. Order online at thepowermall.com. That's thepowermall.com. Numana is... There's stores I love to eat. Yum! Thepowermall.com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. CalBen Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps 
that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-557-0158. That's 800-557-0158. Again, 800-557-0158. People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered. From business deals gone wrong to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? With ReputationDefender.com, you can establish a positive internet presence. ReputationDefender.com pioneered the field with over a decade of experience, serving thousands of successful individuals and businesses. We use patented, award-winning systems to boost positive content and suppress negative material. Don't let the internet define you. Take control of your reputation today with ReputationDefender.com. For your quick, free reputation analysis, call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771, 800-831-0771, or visit reputationdefender.com. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. And just to add to that long question, Randall, for Sue, how much evidence do we lose because we are so centric, so focused directly on the objects and the possible spaceships that all the other stuff is just set aside as irrelevant? No, I think you make an excellent point there, Gene. Like, I know that, you know, when we get into it, I, I tend to go, okay, well, we're looking at UFOs as some sort of craft, but... That doesn't mean that the craft aren't here for a reason. And I think that the reason has to do with all the things we're talking about here. I mean, if they they have effects on people and those effects seem to be directed in a particular way, when you get radar visual sightings and you get these craft interacting with military craft back in the early days, specifically when we we know that they weren't just fake reports and couldn't be verified, but they were happening, there's an obvious intention there. So it, we, we can say, okay, so there's a craft, but what are they doing? And, and, if, and the only way we can really examine that is by really looking at the witnesses. 
that's the only tangible thing we actually have are the witnesses themselves. And, uh, and I think more needs to be focused on that. Um, and we can't be, sh- and we have to let people just tell their story. I, I, I have it- interviewed so many people over the years and they always start with, I know this sounds crazy, but, or they will, you know, they'll tell their story and then they'll add something in and they'll say, you know, I, I really didn't know how I felt about telling you this, but you know, I'm going to tell you anyway. And, And I just feel they they know it sounds absurd. And maybe that's part of that control mechanism that Valet talks about is is this absurdity that sort of then people feel that they're going to be ridiculed. They feel that the whole experience will then become discounted. So you have these really strange aspects. And that's why I kind of tell people, tell me everything. Tell me everything. I, I'm not going to judge you. I want, I want all your stuff. Whatever happened, no matter how crazy it sounds or you think it sounds, I want to know it all. And it's, it's that devil in the details, I think, that may help us formulate new sort of questions as to what is really going on here. Because that, that is the only tangible thing we have is the people that go and experience these things. They have these experiences. Absolutely. I, th- I think yeah. the witnesses are the evidence themselves. Okay, let's let's turn this around, though, and just say, okay, maybe we're looking at this from a completely sort of homeocentric point of view, where these craft are really not that interested in us. We're no more, say, interesting to them than the trees and the plants and the whales and the other things here. And we just happen to want to make ourselves so special that we think they must be studying us for some reason, but really... What if what if they just don't really care that much? Are we making more out of uh, of them than they are out of us? But they seem to be interacting with people in very very transformative ways. Certainly, the people are are, are going through some sort of transformation process after they have had these these very strange experiences, and then then we can get into the abductees too. Some of them find that they have been spiritually transformed and they feel it's a very good experience for them. Others feel quite frightened and and terrorized and suffer actual PTSD symptoms because of their experiences. So, it's very difficult to say what may or may not be a motivation of whatever this thing is. It, it, It has different effects on people. Again, that's why I think it's it's important to, to focus on them because it certainly is whether or not it, it 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 is meant to do so. This is the side effect, or what happens to to witnesses is they tend to have their repercussions to to the experience itself, transformative anyway, and that's why we have to explore that. We don't know what the motivation could be. We don't, we don't even know really what if they're truly spacecraft at this point. I, I'm not willing to say that they are because I don't know. They, they certainly want us to think so, or if it's in even them, I, I don't know. It's just something that looks like a spacecraft. But then, you know, in the medieval times, maybe it was a dragon or a chariot or something. Well, then are they causing us to see them as spaceships or do we see them as spaceships because that's our cultural frame of reference? I don't know because I think people started seeing spaceships prior to really the space age, sort of the the space race. I think there's also there's some evidence to suggest that it's almost precognitive. So people have these experiences just pre to the technology. So maybe their point is to exp- you know inspire the technology that's coming down the pike. I I don't know. I, I just think that uh, that there could potentially be a co-creative process in that 
there is something physical going on, as, as was mentioned. You know, occasionally there are radar hits. Occasionally there are some sort of physical traces, um, but they tend to really lead nowhere. They tend to almost be absurd or nonsensical. But where I don't want to lose my train of thought here either. But I think that what happens is is that it's it's the transformative effect is definitely there, and that is something that has to sort of be sort of honed in on. I think, and that you can only do that with the witness. I, I don't really know, but I think that that is is probably going to gather us more information than has been in the past with just the simple nuts and bolts, without trying to understand the more greater complexities of the UFO experience as a whole. And for people, individuals, and for larger communities, if that uh, that makes sense. We have a weekly newsletter called the Paracast Newsletter. And those of you who are interested, it's free. You can subscribe by clicking on the links at our site, theparacast.com, or at forum.theparacast.com. And in one of the issues going back a few years, one of our favorite contributors, Skyle calls himself Red Pill Junkie, Oh, Miguel. Yes. He wrote a piece, and I asked him to do this after he appeared on the Paracast. I said, give me maybe a 1,000 words or 1,500 words as a guest editorial on the theory of the relationship between a near-death experience and a UFO abduction. And it became like 5,000 words. And very elaborate to explain the connections, the similarities. Now, we have to split for a break in about two minutes, so I'm rushing you along, Susan, but we can pick it up in our next segment. Have you had a chance ever to look at any of that? Okay, I was asking you the question. All right, so you, uh, you've asked me the question. Uh, I have, actually. I have recently talked to a person who is a UFO experiencer abductee uh, who has described the experience almost as if their soul is being torn from their body. That is that is their words, not mine. But it certainly sounds very much like a near-death experience because they're equating their soul uh, as what is leaving the body to, to be on board a ship. So, and, and that is how they experienced it, how they felt it, like a forceful sort of, my soul is being ripped from my body. Um, so, yeah, there is definitely, there is a connection between near-death experience, I think, and, uh, and the abduction experience. I think it's almost like a very much an inner, inward sort of journey. Um, it's more of a shamanic thing than a physical thing, but it has physical manifestations and physical repercussions to the people who are having this experience. If again, if that makes sense to you, uh, this is where I'm sort of at with that sort of experience right now. And that, of course, has again, and both are again transformative. People that go through an abduction experience, just like people that go through near death experience, they're transformed. At the other end of the experience, there's a transformation that has taken place. They're forever changed, and sometimes very radically so. Well, one of the things I see when we look at this is the mystical way that the experience proceeds like they're taken out of their bed and maybe they float through the walls of their home and end up on the spaceship. And then some people with near-death experiences, they remember themselves floating above the hospital bed or wherever their body is and seeing what's going on. Yes. And that is a connection right there. But then the problem in UFO research is we're just looking at aliens and the aliens are landing, and they're just abducting people and performing painful experiments on them with instrumentation that doesn't seem to coordinate or conform 
with a highly advanced civilization that ought to be able to do this painlessly without having to even physically touch the person or bring them aboard a spaceship. We've got more to come with Susan Demeter St. Clair, J. Randall Murphy, Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Have you ever wondered who the second person to discover gravity was? Hmm. When you're in the mood for a treat, would you go to the second best bakery in town? Or how about the name John Breckenridge? Recognize it? If you don't, that's because he came in second to Abraham Lincoln. The firsts are first for a reason. Just how ID Stronghold was the first to create the technology to protect your credit cards from thieves with RFID chip scanners. ID Stronghold products block signals from those scanners, so thieves can't capture your critical data. Get a stronghold on your personal information and protect your family too. Don't settle for the second best wallet. Pick up ID Stronghold wallets for everyone on your list this holiday season. They're the perfect stocking stuffer with leather wallets starting as low as $20 on Walmart.com, eBay, Amazon, 
and QVC. Save 10% by using coupon code PRESENT for a limited time. That's coupon code PRESENT only on IDStronghold.com. IDStronghold.com. This just in, before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So we've been focusing a little bit on abductions, and when we try to do that on the Paracast, sometimes it gets a little wacky. But I was just bringing up Miguel's discussion, which is not unique to him, as he says. What do you think further about these other aspects of abductions that we're not paying attention to, unfortunately. I think that there are parallels between the two that if if you're looking at both, if you're examining both, they're undeniable. It's the same thing with the aliens. The the aliens often display uh, abilities that are very paranormal in the sense that they're like ghosts. They're walking through walls. They're they're just appearing in homes. They're they're doing all sorts of very sort of ghostly-like things as well. If you examine all these various sort of paranormal things that are occurring at their base, they seem to have a very similar sort of mechanism. The thought as well that was done by uh, Dr. Scott Rogo uh, in the 70s, who was one of the few parapsychologists who actually looked into UFOs, he did a discussion on, the, on, on a haunted sky, thinking literally that these, these things that were appearing were like ghosts, they were more apparitions. I've explored that as well, and through sort of dream symbology, are the UFOs more trying to communicate to us through a sort of dream language, so that the UFO itself might look like a spaceship, but if we start maybe looking at the shape and the color and the context of how they appeared and what was going on in the lives of the people that were witnessing these things. Um, Maybe there's a symbolism in there that is being lost because we're only focusing on the very basic idea of a spaceship. You had mentioned to me before about whether or not I, I felt that we have a sort of creative aspect as well if it's part of our expectation of what we think that we're going to see. So culturally, we're conditioned to see a spaceship. That's possible. Or what could be happening is we could be co-creating with something else. Maybe maybe it is an alien. Maybe it's an alien other that is showing to us something that we, in our very naive state of development as a species, can understand. I used to think that, you know, centuries past, people were seeing spaceships, but they were just misinterpreting them. And they were calling them chariots in the sky, and then there were dragons or whatever flying around. And now I've actually really flip-flopped on myself, and I've changed my mind thinking more or less, no, they probably actually really were seeing dragons in the sky. They are telling you exactly what they saw. Perhaps it is part of a more co-creative process with the individual, with, with perhaps an alien other, perhaps with a universal consciousness that's sort of replaying sort of our our fairy tales and myths out to us, I I don't really know. But I think that 
asking these deeper questions and looking more at the whole sort of from parapsychology and ghosts and the spaceships and all these different things and even cryptozoology when it is um, the more strange or high strangeness with that. If you start looking and stripping away all the language that we have added and these stories that we have built on the base experience, you can see that there are commonalities with them all. So, so maybe that's what MUFON needs to do if it wants to be more relevant to our times, you know, sexism and all that aside, maybe it needs to start looking at, at more like parapsychology. And I, I know this is going to be a great big fight for some people, but maybe, maybe that is what it needs if it wants to potentially ask better questions is to sort of look more at the total experience. Because people that do have UFO experiences, many of them do also experience ghosts, or if you, you start talking to them, you find out they grew up in a haunted house, or they have maybe some psychic abilities, or things of that nature that I think are currently sort of being, by the mainstream UFO community, sort of swept under the rug, so to speak. I think that that works both ways to some degree. I've tried to network with some of the uh, paranormal research ghost hunter types here in Alberta and online, and, and I find that there's a real sort of resistance to the idea that the phenomena could be a unified thing. It's like, uh, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, it's the uh, DPH hypothesis. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and that's all there is to it. And they're just as stuck in that and as the ETH. And I think that's something that's another good point you make on your website. But it goes both ways because, I mean, if the idea that a UFO or some anomaly in the sky is an alien spaceship has become entrenched, and it has over 70 years, it is really entrenched in people's minds, then you can say that a ghost as a dead person, that goes back a millennia or more. That's like going way back. That is truly entrenched in people's minds. They absolutely believe that a ghost is the spirit of a dead person. So they don't they don't want to hear that maybe the same thing that's creating alien experiences could be this because it doesn't work for them and in, in, in their belief system. And that's fine. You know what? People can believe whatever they want to believe, but as long as we're all like respectful for each other and we all have some sort of voice and something we can contribute. And if we do that then then maybe Maybe we can come up with some some better stuff moving forward. But I hear you. It used to be in the Parapsychological Association as well on their website. It absolutely said, oh, we do not look into UFOs. I think the webmaster has taken that down now since Eric and I had, had uh, Eric's book got published, Illuminations, which I, I Eric, Dr. Eric Willett, his book, that really looks at the parapsychological and the parasociological lenses of larger UFO waves and, and to a little bit individual UFO experience. I think since then they've taken it down because he is the Canadian liaison for the Parapsychological Association. But prior to that, yeah, they just, we don't look into UFOs. I guess they thought, you know, UFO people are crackpots or whatever. So that's a snobbery and an elitism there that also, that's the other side. So it works both ways. So we're putting everything into boxes. Yes, and we can't do that because we really, the only thing we have at this point is uh, this is an experience that human beings have. That's all we know, really, for sure. I think we can apply some critical thinking to it and arrive at some most likely hypotheses that are better than others. But I was just reviewing some of my notes as we were going here, and and maybe I've missed this. If you could clarify, you said you had a sighting in 1990 and then in 2001. Did we get to the 2016 sighting? 2016, I had an, uh, an experience as well where in this point I was actually going to do a bit of a sky watch and I was going to follow some sort of specific protocols to doing that. Uh, so sort of just 
project for myself and I had set this up and I'd been thinking about it and contemplating it for a couple of months and I went out to the location I was going to go at and this is uh, up in Lake Huron area a nice remote area that I, I had been staying at so the first night up there no cameras no nothing I went out to the lake and I was out there um, with two other people and that's of course with no cameras when I saw this light and from this light seemed to morph out a flying saucer at that point, I just sort of, I, I was chuckling to myself thinking, of course, there's no camera equipment here. And I just thought this is almost as if some cosmic trickster was sort of like, just, yeah, well, there you go. This is, this is what you get for trying to plan out a sky watch. We're going to show up when you're least expecting it. So there. That was that experience. And that, that was a bit eye-opening for me. That's the trickster at work. If you look at the at, at the whole UFO experience and other experiences too, paranormal, there seems to be the trickster archetype or motif that can be applied to much of this. Even like with the best of intentions, people will, will go out and they, they do things like, say, going to a haunted house and having a vigil. And it's usually the best sort of things happen when the equipment is switched off or the batteries drained or... They've given up on the vigil and they're they're sort of discussing about, okay, so, you know, we're tired, it's 4 a.m., let's go get a coffee. And this is where you'll get this spooky voice that bisects the recording. So it's, it's not like something that, that happens that you can sort of electively seems to happen exactly as you want it to. This is where you get more into the sort of magic sort of aspects of the phenomena. It's, it's, uh, it almost has that sort of trickstery motif that goes along with the experience you can have these most spectacular things and and the, the, there's the cameras are not working or they're not around or it's it's a spontaneous somehow regardless of the best of planning so this phenomena that you're talking about to me uh, looking at it and i know exactly what you're saying christopher o'brien our usual co-host here has also got an excellent book on the trickster uh, mm -hmm. a couple of them some of the best i've i've seen on it and what I seem to, f to notice is the common denominator with all of this is that there's an air of uncertainty about it. It doesn't ever want to leave enough evidence for people to be able to say that this is proof for someone else. It's proof for them, but not for someone else who's looking for some sort of confirmation. And so we've got all of these people in society separated by an inability to essentially read each other's minds and try to have some sort of connection. It's, it's really quite interesting. Like we know everyone is out there who's had these experiences, but we don't know for sure which one. We yeah. have no evidence. <laughs> we just know it has to be there. Well, that's the thing. Maybe there's that message. Maybe there's the lesson in that. I don't, I don't really know, but you're, you're correct. I think that's a really important part of this whole phenomena. For people who know this truth, for us to find a way to make that connection. I think that's the challenge. If I was to look at it and say if there was any sort of intent behind it at all, that seems to be part of it. Sue, Gene, Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy 
We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.thepowercast.com, store.thepowercast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Hello, Mr. Anderson. The NSA has noticed how much time you spend on conservative news sites. We have no choice but to consider you a domestic terrorist. Tired of your internet activity being monitored by Big Brother? Get VirtualShield.com, the world's easiest to use virtual private network. Browse the web anonymously, leaving pesky advertisers and spies in the dust. Get started today at VirtualShield.com. Take advantage of our free 30-day trial. VirtualShield.com. You have the right to remain private. A commemorative President Trump dollar for only $5? Yes, the historic Trump dollar starts at only $5 at trumpdollar.us. Choose from our unique three-coin collection in gold, silver, and copper. The Vote Trump dollar, inaugural Trump dollar, and Make America Great Again Trump dollar. Available only at trumpdollar.us. Minted in the USA, our Trump dollars commemorate President Trump's patriotic stand. Order your Trump dollar collection today in time for Christmas delivery at trumpdollar.us. That's trumpdollar.us. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're back with Jay Randall Murphy, guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. Our guest is Susan Demeter St. Clair. Before we go on, remind you yes. that we have a second radio show called After the Paracast. It's a supplement show. It's additional interviews, it's unfiltered conversation. And one of our most interesting episodes in the past year was when we presented Monty Shriver, former resident of Aztec, New Mexico, who could testify that he was there when the supposed UFO crash occurred and he remembers nothing. He checked with his friends at a school reunion and they remembered nothing. An exclusive interview. To hear that show, you've got to be a subscriber to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. We also give you a version of this show free of the network ads. Better quality audio. Prices start just $1.49 a week. Randall, you were going to ask a question in our last segment, but we had to stop for right, piece of business. Just, uh, Go ahead, please. <laughs> Just briefly returning to your 2016 setting, yes. there, Susan, uh, I was uh, asking if the other two people that you were with also saw this light morph into a flying saucer. Yes, they actually, they did. They had the same experience that I did. Uh, and one of them did actually try and take a um, an image with a cell phone. 
and that image really shows nothing. It it it's, looks like it could be almost because there's the sun was setting at the time, so it looks like it could be almost a, a lens flare or just this little splotch of light in the sky, and uh, and it was so it was it was so absurd, but in some ways disheartening to me because of this project that I wanted to do. That and I get, sort of gave up on that project. But what I did do is I sort of I made a piece of glass. Getting back to creativity, um, I made a piece of glass that sort of immortalized the experience where I put in this teeny little piece of light, this little glass bit of what would be light um, and on a setting sun and that sort of immortalized experience for myself. Um, it, it was very strange. And like I said, it, I had planned to sort of do sort of impromptu sky watching and do sort of things to sort of provoke or manifest the phenomena. And, and I was hoping to get some sort of thing going with the camera and that just never worked out. It, it, it was so bizarre. And thankfully there were two other people with me that could, say, yeah, this happened, because otherwise I might not have even believed it myself. It was so absurd and strange that, you know, here's this light, and it, it, I didn't even see it first. It was my companion that was with me was pointing out the light, and it was sort of sort of pulsing, and, and then it just sort of morphed into a UFO. So this wasn't something that was as uh, close as when you saw in 2001. It was, must have been off in the distance to some degree. It was often more into the distance, whereas the... Um, it was close, but not as not the, the the closest that I ever had was that two thousand and one uh, was very close, and it it was seemed excessively structured, like it was like a spaceship, and there were these lights that were coming down. They came down. It was at first I thought it was triangular shaped, and then I realized it was more of a diamond shape. These sort of red lights sort of descended. And, and not at the speed of light either. It's not like they just switched on. It was almost columnated lights that just sort of descended from it. And I could see it. I could look down over the water because I was on this sort of, it's almost like a small cliff sort of in that area of, of Ajax, Ontario, that I was able to look down on the water and I could see that the lights playing off the water. And again, it was that sort of surreal, like, my God, like... You know, I'm I'm witnessing this this amazing thing, and and it just sort of shocks you. It, it and same with the, the friend that I had that was with me at the time. It was quite shocking and very real, and seemed very very solid, and like a spaceship. But like I said, I, I am not a hundred percent sold. I think something would like us to believe it's spaceships, but I'm not a hundred percent sold that that's the case. But the uh, the one in 2016, so say, you know, using the old quarter at an arm's length or something about, you know, bigger than the full moon or? Yeah, it was bigger than that. And it was uh, it was more like a classic flying saucer. These are types you don't even really get reported all that often anymore. It tends to be more the triangles and these types of things. But it was like a classic flying saucer mm-hmm. and just like spinning. I couldn't believe that this was I, I'm, I almost laughed at this point. I just couldn't believe it was happening. But it did, and thankfully there were other witnesses there. So to this day, I don't know what it was. It almost it almost had that feeling of like, ha ha, yeah, I know you were going to go out and look for us, but here we are, and you don't have a camera. That's how I felt anyway. <laughs> if that makes sense, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're incredibly brave for coming forward and saying some of the things that you do because the impressions that you you talk about just matter of factly. I've experienced some of them and some pretty other bizarre things too, but I have a a really hard time sometimes just getting them out there because they do sound 
so unusual that people might be inclined to just, uh, you know, think I've, I've lost my marbles or something, you know? Well, this is why I'm doing it is because I, I, if I have any hope to ever try to understand this and at least try and formulate better questions than have been put forward to date, then we need this information. It's the devil in these absurd details. It's why I think current science is not uh, doesn't have the best tools to really study what's happening here. We're asking the rational, which is science, to try and describe or explain the irrational. And this phenomena, as real as it is, as, as physical as it can be sometimes, and we do know that, again, from physical traces, from radar hits, from uh, the occasional, I know that they, they have gotten occasional lock-ons. Okay, when they scramble these jets chasing these things, I don't think the government really knows anything any more than we do. I know intelligence services have played dirty pool with the in trying to with folklore and different things that way. But I don't think we'll ever get a straight answer from that. But I think if we try and focus maybe on the witnesses and some of these very strange, strange things that are happening, maybe with that and using different sort of disciplines, even in art, sometimes art might be better, or, or, or music, to try and, 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 and formulate different models and lenses to examine these experiences. Maybe we'll get better questions. I don't know. We can definitely take the close encounter theme and mm-hmm. play it at full volume and see how they respond. Why not? Why not? Let's do everything. Let's, let's just do it all and see what happens, because we don't know. The other possibility is if they are spaceships, what you see is not what you get. They appear that way because we could not accept their true appearance, whatever it is. Because we think here of Star Trek and something that's supposed to happen 200 years from now. But everything is based and related to our physical world extended somewhat. Mm -hmm. Not a lot, but extended somewhat. But if we have a civilization that's hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us, and it comes here, would we be able, in our little anthills, to recognize their technology for what it is? Maybe not. Magic. Magic. Carl Sagan, right. What we see in terms of a physical or possibly physical craft that leaves trace evidence, according to Ted Phillips anyway, and other people. Yeah. What we're seeing is... An illusion, a hologram, or something so alien to our consciousness that we just do the best we can? Quite possibly. I mean, in ancient times, people saw gods in the skies. They saw dragons. They saw chariots. They saw various things. Now we have spaceships. Is it all the same thing? I think so. I think that there is a, there is a tie in, in with these more ancient experiences and things like, that uh, Dr. Valet had noted in Passport to Magonia that ties this this modern mythos and and i use mythos as not saying that it's not true but it is it is part of a mythology that you also see with the elves and the fairies and and going farther back in time um when you start stripping all the languages away from the words and things you start seeing there's this base sort of experience that seems to be replaying itself across time and maybe we are in the time of the spaceship. Maybe the time of the spaceship is it will end or is ending, and the phenomena will be something else. We have well, something then, else coming right up, and then we'll proceed trying okay. to sort things out with what the UFOs might be all about. Or, once again, we're looking at phenomena that 
UFOs are only a part of. Sue, Gene, Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you ever lost your power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, pay close attention because huge discounts are now available in solar generators. Perfect for backup power outages and emergencies. Portable solar generators provide life-saving electrical power when you need it most. And, unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no dangerous fumes, and produces an endless supply of electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running secretly in your own home. Right now, get a $5,000 solar generator for just $995 while supplies last. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more. That's MySolarBackup.com. GCN listeners use coupon code GCN at checkout for this special offer. MySolarBackup.com. Use coupon code GCN. EMP protection available at an additional charge. This just in. Before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, your first home medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck, or back, or shoulder. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. Why take another pill? Treat your aches and pains with sunshine pillows, microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body heating wraps. Sunshine pillows and wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it, even while driving. Sunshine pillows are designed with your comfort in mind, will not burn you, and will stay balanced on your body to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, sunshine pillows start at just $20. Join hundreds of our happy customers and see why Sunshine Pillows has a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Click sunshine-pillows.com and take the Sunshine Pillow Challenge. That's sunshine-pillows.com. If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. 
That's slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. At the risk of not being sexist, you know, it's like give Sue's name first. Okay. Oh, you're not sexist. I am not sexist. <laughs> no, you're not sexist. I'm not. I don't know what I am. I haven't figured that out yet. Maybe in about 10 years if I'm still here. But maybe the problem with UFOs is we don't know how to ask the right questions yet. Yes. That's exactly what uh, what I advocate. And I think what people and the, the, my other co-collaborators in UFOs reframing the debate are advocating for is uh, new questions. That's all. Um, just new lenses new new ways it's it's not that that the eth is 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 terribly wrong or bad or whatever i mean i i'm still open to the the possibility it could be correct but it really hasn't gotten us anywhere it it hasn't helped us to we we are, we are no farther than we were say 70 years ago in understanding what's happening nothing has really changed uh, you have some. You have core believers. You have people that have had experiences that know that there's something real, but they really don't have any answers other than beyond perhaps a very strong belief in what they feel they know is true. You have another small segment of the population that seems to make it their business to poo-poo it all and say it's nothing, and and you people are all crazy and 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 science, which they don't speak really for science. And then you have the vast majority of people walking around that really could care less beyond you know, occasional the pop culture reference and movie that might be fun for them. We haven't really progressed. And I think that new questions are, are what's going to be needed. And to gain those new questions, we need new lenses. We need new ways like parapsychology, like other, again, magic, art, uh, different ways of looking at things. And, and those questions may emerge from that. You see, this is an argument I gave to the gentleman who was the executive director of MUFON. And that is, I said to him, MUFON came to be originally as a Midwest UFO network in 1969. Mm -hmm. 48 years later, what if we learned about UFOs? I don't think he had an answer that made any sense. No. We have a belief system that it is uh, the causation is aliens that are visiting from other planets. But beyond that, we have nothing, really. Nothing that I can see anyway that, that, is, that in any way explains it any better than, than when MUFON started. And so. you see, this is where I end up being criticized sometimes. They say, well, this guy Steinberg is stuck in the 1950s. He's an old codger, and he's not keeping up to date. And my whole point is, no, the field is stuck in the 1950s. We still expect the government to disclose what it knows. It knows that there are spaceships, maybe they're in touch with them. And if we play nice, you know, if we ask nicely, maybe they'll tell us something or we write a petition and we send the petition to the government and they will say, oh, look at all the people who are interested in UFOs. Let's respond to them. And how many times do you repeat 
the same thing before you become the classic definition of insanity. Well, that, that's the thing. If for some people, this, the, the disclosure movement is, and, and now I believe it's the confirmation movement, um, it's a new new sort of verbiage that's that's been tagged onto this movement that says that, you know, any minute now the government is going to tell us everything it knows and what we want to hear. And that's what it is. They want confirmation bias. They want to be told you, you believe is true and by the same bodies that they feel are liars. It, it does become a bit sort of irrational, again, much like the phenomena can be irrational, uh, to sort of expect that governments are, are going to all of a sudden, and, and they have, and this is the problem, they have been disclosing militaries, actually, and people don't like to hear this, but it's true, the U.S. military was the first to disclose with Project Blue Book, which they made available to the public. You can look at other governments around the world, I mean, the French government itself actually um, sponsors UFO um, sort of research. Other governments around the world have been disclosing in South America. They have disclosed. They, you know, I don't really think that they know any much more than we do, uh, other than their own sort of secrets that maybe surround the Cold War and various sort of war and, and that sort of thing. I don't think they know any much more than we do. And, and I think it's just sort of... Um, it's an intellectual lazy position to be in where you can just say, okay, I don't have to think anymore about this. I know it's aliens and I'm just waiting any minute now for the government to tell me, yes, I'm right. That's to me sums up the disclosure movement. I don't think it's, it's going to lead anywhere. I, I, think, I think what you have is you have a mixed bag of people, high level people in government who might be interested in the phenomena and you have other people who could care less about it and, and that's going to be the majority of people. So just like the general public. And anyone who's ever worked in government positions will tell you with the bureaucracy alone and, and trying to, to keep like some massive secret is going to be virtually impossible. People talk. Especially when we're talking here about not 48 years, mm -hmm. 58 years yep. of UFOs, 60 years, 70 years. It's been going on for years. And when is somebody going to reveal the information? I mean, we have alleged whistleblowers from time to time who tell us things. Mm -hmm. We have this Air Force disinformation guy, Richard Doty. Ever hear of him? Oh, yes. Okay. Now, I may get him on the Paracast. This has been a back and forth that happens every so often. But he did tell me in one email, and I feel that it was nothing he said that was secret, that we in the UFO field don't know anything. We got it all wrong. And I don't think he was talking about what we're talking about today. <laughs> he's, well, he's right. I mean, we don't really... We, we, what do we know? We know that people, good people, sane people from all sorts of different backgrounds, with the exception of maybe a higher preponderance for people who are creative types that have these exceptional experiences that transform them either on a personal level or in the case of maybe large UFO waves on a societal level. Beyond that, we know nothing. We really don't. So, yes, in that case, he's correct. But he is another one. And, uh, and if he's listening in, he's a trickster, another trickster type person. And, and you find a lot of this within the paranormal community, uh, people that are very sort of, and maybe there's some truth, a little bit of truth to what they're saying. Maybe there's a lot of showmanship to what they're saying. Maybe there's disinformation in there. So you have to be aware of that sort of too, which is why I, I, tend, to, I tend to stay away from the experts or the self-proclaimed experts. And I look more towards the actual people who are out 
the average person who's having this experience. I'm going to get better information from that than trying to chase this white rabbit down this this hole into the, you know, intelligence services and and all this kind of stuff. If you want to pursue that, fine, but I don't think it's going to to bring us any closer to the phenomena of what's happening. But And even then, how can we trust any of what's being told to us, right? Well, it is definitely interesting from that parasociological point of view, though. I mean, hardly... You couldn't have anything much more interesting than than Doty and the aviary and all of that yeah. when you start looking at that because I mean, I mean that's why I kind of laugh because what else would you expect from Doty but to tell us that we have it all wrong because that's exactly what he his whole purpose is is to throw confusion into the thing. Yeah, he's a trickster. Before we are tricked out of existence here, let's do this break, okay? Susan Demeter, St. Clair, Gene Steinberg, Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This just in, before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Hey folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual. And this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Message and data rates may apply. Sick of hair loss? Thinning hair? Bald spots? Ever thought about hair restoration? It's a life-changing decision. Thankfully, the first step is incredibly easy and absolutely free. Because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration expert, is giving away an absolutely free information kit that reveals just how easy and affordable their permanent solution to hair loss really is. Get yours by texting EASY44 to 85850. You'll see for free just how great your hair could look. Plus, we'll also give you a free gift card when you text EASY44 to 85850. 
Join the men and women all over the country who have come to Bosley, the world's most experienced hair restoration expert, for their permanent solution to hair loss. If you've ever thought about getting your hair back, don't miss this incredible offer. We're giving away an invaluable information kit absolutely free, plus a gift card for $250 off to everyone who texts EASY44 to 85850. That's E-A-S-Y 44 to 85850. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthier I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online hbextract.com. Heart and body extract 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This is not quoting the letter from Rick Doty that I have in front of me now, but it quotes something else where he quotes Phil Class, the yes. infamous skeptic, mm-hmm. who said, The UFO community does more harm to themselves within than I could do to them from outside. I agree with that. I do think so as well. But he is, again, another trickster-like character. And I, I think of the famous class curse, where we, well, we're all cursed to never, you know, to, to get to the end of our lives without ever really knowing what is going on with the UFOs. Um, but he himself was a, a, a trickster-like person. But these people also, they serve some sort of role or function, I think, to the greater sort of picture, in that they also enact change. You know, they also either reinforce beliefs because you know that when you have a very strong belief and someone sort of fights against it, it it tends to entrench. We know this through psychology. It tends to entrench that belief even further. So when you have the two true believers and then you have these these arch skeptics coming in, they're they're actually they only work towards enforcing, reinforcing, and reentrenching that belief system in the others. So, I, I, I mean, Class himself was a trickster-like character. All, the, all of these ones that tend to be, become really like sort of UFO celebrities, which he was in his own sort of way, a UFO celebrity, they tend to be, to have that sort of, those trickster-like sort of characteristics within themselves. I think so anyway. I wonder here whether the authorities, the military, sometimes takes advantage of UFO and the UFO mythology to do their own things, to engage well, the, in experimentation, to hide in plain sight. Well, we've got our test aircraft. We'll send it out there. And if someone sees it, oh, it's just a UFO. Forget about it. Oh, for sure. And there's evidence of that, too. There's also evidence of social experiments that were done. That This was covered by um, my, one of my co-collaborators of the book, uh, Smiles Lewis, who was discussing how they've weaponized 
the UFO sort of folklore and mythos and things to do social experiments, to hide sort of their own projects or, uh, and, and, and yeah, absolutely, you would be naive to think that they haven't done that. But that in itself doesn't bring us any closer to, uh, to what the actual UFOs are, because not all of these experiences are going to be explained by, you know, some, you know, the government playing dirty pool or, or in this case, intelligence services, more so even than the military. It's the intelligence services that are playing dirty pool with the topic itself, putting out disinformation or they're hiding their own projects by, by maybe making the, you know, other things look absolutely crazy. I mean, maybe I've heard that speculation with DeLong as well, is that, you know, he's putting out all these hoaxes and, 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 and things that are is just incredibly, again, irrational to try and say, here is the UFOs as they are, and we, we know that they're hoaxes. And so it, it kind of discredits, but at the same time, is that is that the purpose to discredit? Who knows? Like that's, But all of this, again, it doesn't get us any closer to, to what? what may be the mechanism uh, or what may be the true causation of genuine UFO experience. I also wonder if, when we were doing drug experimentation with some people, whether any of these early UFO abductions were, in fact, the results of experimentation, messing with their minds with hypnosis, because, you know, you can pretty well control the narrative with the right commands, and they believe they were abducted. And I keep saying this about Barney and Betty Hill, because they lived near a military base. Most of the people they knew were military. They lived at a time when biracial couples were yes. really, really not treated very nicely. And a lot of things they may want to study, and they became unwary victims. Maybe. I mean, if you ask Kathleen Martin, of course, was Betty Hill's niece, or Stanton uh -huh. Friedman, or people like that. They'll say, no, no, look at all this evidence that it was something. But the creatures they allegedly saw are not matched by most abductions. Very different. Yes. But then if you look at the entire like humanoid sort of catalog, and my friend Albert Rosales's work on various types of aliens that have been described... Uh, and including in the modern UFO era, mostly in the modern UFO era, you, you can have hundreds of different types. I mean, certainly when you when you get outside of the United States or even North America and Canada, we tend to have similar things going on. But when you start looking at Europe or Australia or Aboriginal or, or people that are describing experiences in Africa and other places where there's cultural differences, then they, the aliens tend to be culturally different too. They are they, they're different in appearance. Uh, you can have robots, ones that look like like uh, 1950s robots, and reptilians, and like there's there's there must be a thousand different species. So I, I wouldn't really, in regards to Betty and Barney Hill, take two to heart that their their aliens were different. I don't know. I'm not discounting that it could have been some sort of strange sort of social experiment that was carried out on them personally. I do believe there are paranormal aspects to their case, and I do believe something actually did happen to them. But I also feel that, that later on, the hypnotists and all the others that got involved in the case sort of built on the, on the base narrative that sort of came out to be the, the, the later story that we have. But certainly something did absolutely happen to them. And I think that it is important that uh, you did sort of hone in on the fact that this was an interracial couple. They did have sort of societal pressures that, you know, other couples may not have had added on to whatever else was going on in their lives at the time that could have sort of influenced how this experience played itself out 
or the circumstances behind it, we don't know, right? That is something that is that, that we need more of with other cases as well, is looking at the circumstances of the witnesses, maybe what was going on with them and how these things might have, have transformed them and, and why they appeared the way they appeared. And is there any symbolism in that? And it's possible anyway, in my opinion, that it, it's a symbolic language that is, that is coming out of the UFO experience. You know, I think really you sort of identified some of the, the sectors that are involved in some of the big influences, the groups, the ufology community, the government, the believers, the non-believers, the religious side of things, and the mythology. I think that there is another group in there, a smaller group of people who are really, truly, sincerely looking at the phenomena from a critical thinking perspective. I know that seems like it might not be that much different than some of the rest, but I'm one of them, and I really do think that when you distill it all down, that we have moved ahead from the 50s. I think that we can be as reasonably confident now more than ever that we are dealing with some sort of craft. I'm not saying spaceship, but I certainly don't see anything wrong with the interstellar hypothesis. But the idea that we're dealing with craft is just so sensible that I just can't see why it would make any sense to say otherwise unless we're dealing with a, an absolute hoax or a hallucination or something like that. But when we're talking about core phenomena, we're dealing with craft as causal factors here. But that is a hypothesis, and that is that, that's still, it's an untested hypothesis. Until you have the said craft and you're, you're in some way able to sort of examine it from that sort of materialistic point of view is that you're, you've got, you're able to have scientists and engineers and that take it apart and examine it. It's still a hypothesis. And it can't be tested. And again, science deals in the rational. And what we have here is very irrational. So I'm not, Well, hang on. I'm not talking about science here. I'm talking about something called critical thinking, which is a little different. It, a process of looking at the evidence and ident identifying as best you can what the most likely explanation is for but, but, but to a degree of reasonableness that it's unreasonable not to believe it. But critical thinking is, is, is a means of self-examining your own hypothesis, and that's the thing. So, I mean, it's fine to have a hypothesis, then that's good. But if you're going to apply critical thinking, well, then you can, you can apply critical thinking to the hypothesis itself. So, it is, only, it is only a hypothesis at this point. There's no evidence to support it. It's an untested hypothesis. Final segment with Sue and Jean and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap. But not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But did you know you can have tax-free access to your life insurance while you're still alive? You can use the life benefits of your life insurance to grow your money with certainty and guarantees. No stock market risk, no tax risk, and no penalties. Call Life Benefits if you'd like a free book about how this can be done. Call 702-660-7000. That's 702-660-7000. Have you checked your ECS lately? We have. We are New Pharma, scientists who specialize in human functions controlled by the endocannabinoid system, or ECS. Let me simplify. Your ECS is involved in physiological processes like appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and immune systems. New Pharma's patent-pending science is the big difference in our natural solutions, formulated for your well-being. For example, our foundation product provides targeted nutrition to support a healthy endocannabinoid system, which is directly responsible for managing and controlling inflammation. This product contains turmeric, which is known as one of the best anti-inflammatories on the planet. Our Allergies product contains sage, which is a very effective decongestant. See all of our amazing capsules, essential oils, and ECS herbal tea at gnuphama.com. New Pharma. Your path to wellness begins here. This just in. Before your doctor gives you another antibiotic prescription that you don't want, get this free report, The Miracle of Garlic, Your First Home Medicine. This free report is filled with easy kitchen remedies for common colds, flus, sore throats, ear infections, and more. Plus, learn to boost your immunity before you get sick. Go now to GCNWellness.com. Just like it sounds, GCNWellness.com to get your free report, The Miracle of Garlic. Click GCNWellness.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. He asks the question, what are we? Are we mystical phenomena? 
Randall and Sue were engaged in a back and forth. We are the excluded middle. That's what we are. That's what Greg Bishop told me. Greg Bishop's right on. We are the excluded middle. And I do believe that, yes, if you're going to be examining this, you should apply critical thinking to it. But we have to realize that that when it comes to hypotheses that are untested, that at the end of the day, if we're going to say, okay, this seems more reasonable, but that's still a belief system. That's still belief versus actual sort of and that, that is where critical thinking comes in. And then there is a lot that has to go to it, especially when you're dealing with the witnesses. You have to sort of sort that weed from the chaff. Yes, because there are people, they exaggerate or they add things on or, or they, other things. Like It's such a complex, complex thing. And at the end of the day, could this be spaceships? Maybe. I'm not willing to throw that baby out with the bathwater, but I'm saying that that has been the predominant thinking over 50 years, and it really has got us nowhere at this point. Maybe it has inspired technology. That's something to consider, um, because as we're seeing these spaceships, it's certainly it, it is inspiring to people. It's inspired science fiction. It's probably inspired technology as well, and these uh, you know these aviation uh, engineers. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. You know, it's a hypothesis. And, and the one thing that um, I sort of, I, I had some personal correspondence with Dr. Jacques Vallée, and the one thing he imparted on me is that hypothesis is very good, and, and guesses, even wild. You can wildly speculate. That's all very good. As long as you realize at the end of the day, that is all it is. It is a guess. It I makes don't more think sense. that's accurate. I'm sorry. I think that when you're dealing with critical thinking, you're, you're not necessarily beginning with a hypothesis. What you're doing is looking at a point of view and a frame of reference, identifying purpose, goals and objectives, gathering information, data, facts, and so on. And what you're doing is you're using a logical, sensible way of distilling out what's most likely to be true to the point where it's just as reasonable to believe that as it is pretty much anything else we believe based on hypothesis or whatever else. So well, I well, think you, people misunderstand start, critical thinking. Well, you start with question. This is the basis of science. You have to start with what is a UFO? And then we can build a hypothesis around it. Hypothetically, well, people are describing what seems to be a spaceship. Therefore, can we test that hypothesis? Currently, no. The basis of the question still comes down to what is the unidentified flying object. Yes, when we can apply critical thinking to individual cases, sometimes we can debunk, which is actually a very good thing. It's, it's good to sort of say, okay, so you know what, I can go out and I can investigate this case and I can prove a sort of mundane explanation or it's more reasonable to say that these people absolutely were, were looking at Venus because this does happen on occasion, okay? This does happen that, that people misidentify identify things, or that hoaxes can kind of be unraveled. This is where I think critical thinking really comes in to play. But as to the actual anomaly, it is still an anomaly. And we are still left with hypothesis based on our, our, our question. But we really have nothing beyond that witnesses are saying that this has happened to, to really support any one single hypothesis. And that's what we argue for in the book is just simply, we're not saying we have any answers. We're just saying we need better questions applied and better hypotheses applied than what we have had so far, which really has not brought us any closer to what this truly is. And, and that's just, that's my opinion. We can disagree. 
and, and we can respectfully disagree because I, I'm willing to admit I could be completely 100% wrong. <laughs> but I, I do agree with you. I think critical thinking is, is necessary. And I, I think that there is a lot of to be said for sorting the wheat from the chaff. And that's where the more nuts and bolts sort of UFO approach can, can, be, can be very useful. Yeah. Well, absolutely. If we talk about where the word comes from, what it is, there isn't even agreement in the community as to what the word means. But, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I've, I think I've got it figured out. I went back and did a whole word history and on the thing, and I've, I think I've got it figured out, but I know a lot of other people certainly don't. And when you put it into perspective, that perspective using the principles of critical thinking, and then you look at, well, okay, so what is parapsychology? That's something that sort of people think can't be explained by known psychological scientific principles like extrasensory perception or telepathy or what have you. But what if you can? What if you can say, okay, by the means of critical thinking, if we look at this as technology of some sort, is technology capable of producing the phenomena? Is our technology capable of producing the phenomena? And if our technology is capable of producing the phenomena, or at least um, has a reasonable chance of producing it, why would we think it's not something technological? And why would we think it's something not technological? Right, because yes, because this, this phenomena has been occurring in various forms. Like if you, if you want to go back into history and you want to take the idea that people were seeing these things centuries ago, Maybe they were describing them differently, but the exact same experience is being described by the witness. Then certainly, you know, there's no evidence for that back then as far as it being human involvement. As far as it being interstellar travel, well, we still, we haven't done that. We have zero evidence that there is any life other than ours at this point. As much as we desire there to be, there really is zero evidence for that. Well, we know and, it's possible. You know, I mean, I mean, a SETI is something completely, completely different than, than ufology. SETI still has not produced any sort of evidence, and, and that's something that has to be considered as well. Everything that we have points to the fact that human beings on planet Earth experience this. So, if we're going to go with critical thinking and logic, then that would denote that this is an Earth-based phenomenon. See, astrophysicists, and I have asked astrophysicists this, are not saying that they're seeing this beyond our, our, our solar system or even within our solar system. I mean, this, this is something that people experience right here on Earth. And usually, and sometimes in the really best cases, the ones that produce the most interesting sort of evidence tend to be at close range. So, they're not even really that high up in the, you know, it's not like they're way up there with the cruising altitude that we see our aircraft. They're, they're much closer. At least they're perceived that way. Sure, we see a lot of them here, but that's just because we are here. We also know if uh, the insiders can be believed that they've been tracked coming into Earth from outside the atmosphere. I mean, simply because we see them here, we see comets here too. We see shooting stars here too. Do we say, well, that's an Earth-based phenomena because a shooting star is here or we find a meteor on the ground? But we can measure the comet, and we have done so in space. We have no evidence to suggest that the UFO is in space. If this person knows this, then they have to produce the evidence, and that evidence has to be made available to other scientists to examine. I want to ask you, if you had, maybe later today, Sue, another half hour or 35 minutes, we can continue this on our supplementary show after the Paracast. Is that possible? 
Oh, sure. I think that would be fun. I uh, I have a uh, make a tea though first. For those who okay. want to know more about what you do, where do they go? Oh, they can look at my website, which is at uh, SusanStClair.com, uh, and that gives links to other places that I have contributed to, um, some background information on myself and my research interests, my blog and other things, and social media. So SusanStClair.com. We'll have it linked at theparacast.com. Thank Randall, you. Randall, so where's your site located? Oh, that's it. UFOpages.com for the Ufology Society International. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the After the Paracast. We've got a question from Blowfish here. We'll get in there. And uh, sorry we didn't get it in on the main show, but it's coming up. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Look for two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. And subscribe to After the Paracast by getting the Paracast Plus. That way you'll be able to hear the rest of the show. Because we got so much more to talk about with Susan Demeter St. Clair. We also provide an ad-free version of this show, free of network ads, better quality audio, other special features, access to the first two episodes of Haunted with Paul Kimball okay, and Holly Stevens. But you have to write to him from our forum and request a special password to do it. To learn more about the Paracast Plus, go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Susan, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you both so much. It was it was wonderful to talk with you both, and I always feel really good afterwards and getting different ideas going and thoughts. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.